And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is still off. Yeah, texted me yesterday. Doesn't have much of a voice still. He's day by day with an upper body injury. <laughs> we'll uh, let you know two hours uh, before the next contest whether he will be here, to use the old sports analogy. Uh, all right, so I'm looking here. Oh, good morning, and uh, we're everywhere, and listen to us, and download our app, and you know, you know what's going on. Just do it. I'm very impatient. I've been on for t- I've been on for too long alone. <laughs> Just going through here uh some comments from never trumpers, trump haters, rhinos, whatever you, you you get you get my point. These aren't people that revere former president Trump and looking at things that they had to say uh about the charges and the indictment, or as Andrew McCarthy calls it, a non-indictment, and we'll get to that here in a little bit, and some of the things that they had to uh, say. John Bolton. Well, speaking as someone uh, who very strongly does not want Donald Trump to get the Republican presidential nomination, I'm extraordinarily distressed by this document. I think this was weaker than I feared it would be. I think it's easily subject to being dismissed on uh, or a quick acquittal for Trump. I can say that there is no basis in the statutory language to say that Trump's behavior forms either a contribution or an expenditure under federal law. The two key definitions uh, and issue here. Uh, If it did, it would mean that every single expenditure a candidate made could be taken to have something to do with his campaign. He's using sort of 
the the suit analogy that I used yesterday. Do I buy a dollar comb to comb my hair or a $10 comb to comb my hair? Uh, if you can construe the statute to cover this behavior, then I think it violates the First Amendment because you're deeply into territory that makes the statute absolutely uh, a, absolutely a federal statute too uh, vague for enforcement. I said it yesterday about a suit. You go buy a suit. You're running for office. You go buy a suit. All right? So you buy a suit. And you put in your ledger, and that's a business transaction. You buy a suit. You use a, you know, and you're doing it on company, business fraud. You're doing this on your company account. And you're buying a suit. And you put down that, uh, 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 let me see, household expenditures. And you didn't put specifically a suit. Is that a campaign? And, and you're campaigning. Is that an illegal can- campaign contribution? Because you're wearing that suit as you're campaigning, but you're also wearing it. There, there's other reasons that you did it. And that's what where Bolton is coming from. You look at the former FBI director, Andrew McCabe, not a Trump fan. If I had to characterize it, it's a disappointment. I think everyone was hoping that we would see more about the direction that they intend to take this prosecution. What is the legal theory that ties the very solid misdemeanor case? (laughs) The very solid misdemeanor cases... You can tell they're trying to find something. The misdemeanor cases, 34 counts of misdemeanors to the uh, uh, intent to conceal another crime, which is what makes it a felony, McCabe said. It simply isn't there, as we have said. Former Representative Justin uh, Amash of of, uh, Michigan, a noted anti-Trump Republican. He left the Republican Party because of Trump. Remember, became a libertarian. Here's what he said. After reading D.A. Bragg's indictment of Trump and accompanying statement of facts, I'm stunned any prosecutor would move forward with this. It's even flimsier that we were led to believe than we were led to believe. 34 stack counts bootstrapped to an unstated crime to manufacture felony charges. Like I said, from the legal perspective, you looked at this and, and you just went, it was weaker than we ever thought it could be. It's really amazing that he filed this, except for the fact, as we've stated earlier, he's not a DA. That's his title. He's a political activist. And all he wants to do, I think the main thing is, because he knows it's a weak case, but the whole case, the whole reason to do it is intimidation. If we can make his life hell, we can make your life hell. Democrats are all about intimidation now. We started seeing it. The worst intimidation I've ever seen uh, to support a false narrative was Black Lives Matter. The police departments are all systemically racist to hunt down and kill blacks. They got corporations behind them. They got sports leagues behind them. And if you didn't support it, you were run over by the liberal wave of intimidation in 2020. We now see it in the liberal transgender activist movement. You can't ask any questions or you're a transphobe. You can't say, wait a minute, men shouldn't compete against women. Sorry, you're transphobic. You're a bigot. We'll destroy you. You'll lose everything. 
You had those women in the Ivy League uh, swimming teams scared to death that their life would come crumbling down upon them once a liberal transgender activist movement came after them. It's all about you take our side or we will destroy you. Let's get uh, and hear what some of the uh, the Trump lawyers had to say uh, yesterday after Trump was arraigned. Were you surprised by anything in the indictment? No. How about you, Joe? Were you surprised? Yeah, I was surprised there were no facts in there. I mean, normally in an indictment you have alleged facts, so they said that this was a false business record entry to aid and abet another crime without saying what the other crime was. Can you talk about his demeanor? How is he doing? Trump's reaction was when he saw the charges when you say what his reaction was, what do you expect his reaction was? I mean, his reaction his reaction was exactly what would happen if it happened to anybody that I'm looking at now or anybody that's hearing what you're saying. Um, he's, he's frustrated, he's upset, but I'll tell you what, he's motivated, and it's not going to stop him, and it's not going to slow him down, and it's, it's exactly what he expected, and so to that extent, there's no surprise. But he's also, he's also, he's also upset and frustrated and disappointed and mad that this happened. What about the warnings against his rhetoric on Twitter? What was the well, there was not a warning. What do you, what do you mean? From, from well, the judge, talking about the judge the did not warn. The, 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 the district attorney made a statement um, addressing what they perceived to be, um, I'm not sure what the words they used, inappropriate rhetoric of some sort. Um, the, obviously, we responded, and the judge just took it in. The judge didn't warn. He asked the parties to, to consider what they're saying and not saying. Guys, he did not is, admonish the president. No, that's no, there was no admonishment. Did the president not use language that would incite violence or civil unrest? He did he not request that the, that the president not use language. He requested that everybody involved refrain from using language that's inappropriate. And by the way, that includes that includes the witnesses. The witnesses for the people um, who are talking just as much as the president. The former president swinging a baseball bat at the head of the Manhattan DA. Well, I don't know where you got that because if you... That was a tweet that was, by the former president. That, no, it wasn't. And first of all, first of all, first of all, that picture was not swinging a baseball bat. I mean, if you want to distort the facts, go right ahead. I won't address that. Yes, it is. He wasn't swinging a baseball bat at anyone's head. That was a picture of him showing off an American-made bat. Someone else put a picture of the district attorney next to him and in an article posted that. That's not his Guys, here's what we're going to talk about today. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the insufficiency of this case. And I will say this to you. Today's unsealing of this indictment shows that the rule of law died in this country. Because while everyone is not above the law, no one's below it either. And if this man's name was not Donald J. Trump, there is no scenario we'd all be here today. Please understand that based on these charges. When? Uh, yeah, eight o'clock. What are we, we going to hear? I, think you I don't know. Tune in. You'll hear it. You should tune in and you'll you hear it. You think we know? One of the trials Can you? January. Did you think that was realistic? No. Can you guys talk no. about? There's no, a lot of speculation about the unity among defense attorneys. Look at this. Look at us. Of, is that why you chose Look. to do this? To come out together? We chose chose to come out together so we could speak with one voice. But there is no disunity here. That's gossip and it's nonsense. We've been working together and we will be working together. And this, to me, quite frankly, is the best team I've ever worked with, the lawyers. Um, I'm honored to be working with these guys. It's a family. It's a team. And we have one mission and we'll achieve that mission. What's your next move? What's your next move? 
I mean, I, I'm going to go home and um, have some food. What about the change of venue stuff? When do we... I mean, we're going to start filing the case. Filing. I, I didn't mean to be when, flipping. When do you start filing motions? I'm assuming one of the first things you're going to do... The judge set a motion schedule. To dismiss. Um, I assume that'll the, be the judge. The judge set a motion schedule um, that requires motion files in four months. So that's when we'll be filing motions. This whole notion about how this is sort of a, like a novel or... Uh, do you... It's not a notion. It's actually it's like, a fact. It's but, never but been charged talk before. talk about that. But like, There's nothing else to say except the, the district attorney. Um, this, this, this office has existed for decades and decades. And you, have ne- you can find one if you'd like. You, you'll never see a charge like this um, ever. You understand this case. You understand this. It's as simple else, as this. A state prosecutor is prosecuting a, a federal election law violation that doesn't exist according to federal election law officials. It's as simple as that. That you could. So there you go. Um, it was interesting how the media wanted to get off the topic. It's very tough. They really. It, it's if if you if you know anything about the law whatsoever, you realize how weak this is. And so, if you're a member of the media trying to find an angle to go after Trump on this, you're not going to find it. Oh, by the way, we talked about people that uh, that uh, dislike Trump. Uh, we do have here Bill Crystal. This is the most solid uh, criminal case ever brought by a district attorney in the United States. There you go, Bill Crystal. I might have made that up. 866-90-RED-EYE. Active weather Tuesday through parts of the country. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says a system that covered several western states earlier this week has moved its way on into the Great Lakes region. But on its way there, it resulted in blizzard conditions across parts of the northern Intermountain West into the northern plains, causing concerns about calving and lambing in the northern plains. In other parts of the country, we have seen repeated high winds, blowing dust, even some grass fires and wildfires coming out of the southwest and on across the central and southern Great Plains with this system. Also, for the third time in less than two weeks, we have seen a significant severe weather outbreak peaking on April 4th. Very similar area of geographic coverage to what we experienced just a few days ago when we saw preliminary reports indicating more than 100 tornadoes across the Mid-South and into the Midwest. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. It's Runner Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric's still out. Day to day, folks. Uh, you know, uh, what I want to say. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure we, we are not really going to get into the discussion on it, but because uh, we have just more audio we want to play on uh, yesterday's developments. But we will talk about it. Uh, breaking news late last night that uh, Brandon Johnson has become the, uh, will become the new mayor of Chicago. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Chicago, <laughs> I said that, and I must have gone into a seizure there. <laughs> I couldn't get it out. It's like, Brandon John, no, no, no. Uh, more liberal than Lightfoot. Well, that, that would have been a good campaign, more liberal than Lightfoot. So we'll get into uh, all of that, I'm sure, in in the future Shows, <clears throat> I had trouble getting that out. <laughs> I choked on it. Uh, uh, all right, uh, I want to uh, play this uh, uh, this uh, audio cut from Mick Mulvaney, former uh, chief of staff, temporary there for uh, Donald Trump, who was asked about you know basically what what do you think the airplane flight was like uh, for Trump uh, going uh, from New York back to Florida? Really interesting because. I think he shows the the evolution of the inertia of the news narrative that was going on uh, last night between uh, the actual arraignment and by the time it came to Trump's speech. This I think this is interesting. Yeah, the, the plane ride was probably a lot. Better. Um, yeah, I'm sure he was angry. I'm sure he was frustrated. All those things sound right. He was not happy about being indicted. He doesn't think it's good for his brand, for his legacy, for his reputation. But I got to think that once he got on the airplane and started to hear the chatter, because keep in mind, he's probably watching four or five, maybe even six different networks um, to try and get the input on what how today went. Uh, his spirits have got to go up. There's no question about it. Even his staunchest opponents, Mitt Romney, put out something in support of the president tonight. John Bolton, who can't stand Donald Trump, was saying nice things about him on another network. And even former Obama officials are saying that they don't understand exactly why this is happening. All of that combines to probably put him in a really, really good and upbeat mood as he heads back on that flight tonight to Mar-a-Lago. So is he writing this speech on the airplane? Is, he's, there are no lawyers on the plane writing back to Mar-a-Lago. There is just political uh, staff, political advisors. He's been warned by the judge to be careful about what he says. Okay, I want to stop it there because that seemed to be the narrative, you notice, that came out. In the, uh, and I wanted, that's why I only wanted to get to that point because uh, the speech was already given. We, you know, this is before the speech. Uh, but that was a narrative that, Everybody was assuming was true that the judge told Trump, hey, watch your language. And as the lawyer said, that wasn't the case. He didn't admonish Trump. It was simply the prosecution came up and said their piece. And then 
the defense came up and gave their speech saying, well, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, we want everybody not to have, we don't want Cohen. We don't want, you know, well, we don't want Stormy Daniels. They're all going around shooting off their mouth. Yeah, everybody needs to be quiet about what they say, including the prosecution and then the judge. That's what I got from the attorneys. I'm reading a little bit into it, but that's what I got from the attorneys and what what they had said in the uh, the audio cut that we had played uh, before the bottom of the hour. And they said the judge didn't admonish anybody. The judge simply said, yeah, okay, everybody, you know, everybody watch your language. He goes, but it came from both sides. And that was turned into the judge admonished Trump. That wasn't true. So interesting how, I mean, we've we've dealt with this before. But interesting how something that can be fact-checked so quickly seemed to gave, you know, gain a narrative that, yeah, the judge was telling Trump. He needed to stop the rhetoric. And we know there's been, you know, I, we talk, we talked about this last week, you know, Stormy Daniels talking about her merchandise and how everything's going through the roof and she's making so much money. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm the DA, I'm thinking, shut up. You're one of my witnesses. And you've already gone back and forth on what you said Trump said. Or, you, or whether there was an affair or not. You've gone both ways on this for, for money. And now you're out there saying how much money you're getting because of a Trump prosecution. You idiot. That That's going to be used against my case. That was the first thing that I thought of. I don't know if the DA reached out because this is such a poor posterior case that I don't know where his head is at. I just, I just don't, except for the fact... As I said before, they're all political activists. He doesn't care about anything except we're getting Trump, which means if you're a Republican, we can get you. It's an intimidation tactic. It's really got nothing about having a successful conviction against Trump because this case is just poor. More coming up. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric, uh, hopefully he's back soon. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Just to show you that even on the mainstream media outlets, they knew this was bad for Bragg. Let's hear from NBC. This is NBC News last night. NBC senior uh, legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett, with these uh, comments. This is our senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, 34 counts here. How strong does the state's case appear to be? Lesser, there is a mountain of evidence offered by prosecutors in court papers today. But the fundamental question is whether any of it amounts to a crime. Expect to hear from Mr. Trump's attorneys attacking the way Bragg is using uncharged violations of federal campaign finance violations to bolster what is normally a state misdemeanor. It appears no court has ever ruled that that's allowed, and it's what makes the case legally risky. 
appears no court has ever ruled that that's been allowed. That's on NBC. Now, the thing I did love, though, we mentioned it earlier, when Bragg, uh, where is it here? Um, uh, where, oh, no, where she said, there's a mountain of evidence, but they don't have a crime. So there's not a mountain of evidence of a crime. They have a mountain of evidence, but they don't have a crime. And I don't know. I don't know if it was put that way so people would assume. Well, they said they got a mountain of evidence. Well, they got a mountain of evidence that's not related to any crime. They just got this mountain of stuff that they're using evidence for what we don't know. But we got this evidence for something. Uh, meanwhile, this is uh, ABC's Dan Abrams. On ABC News last night. But Dan, still a very difficult case to prosecute. Yeah, I mean, look, there's the facts and the law. The, the, the facts as laid out today uh, could be a compelling argument. But before they even get there, they're going to have to overcome the legal issues. Question one, what is the crime that prosecutors are alleging escalated this from a misdemeanor to a felony? So far, the Manhattan DA is being pretty vague about exactly what that crime is. Their potential statute. Look, we knew the flight path of the balloon. Uh, oops, sorry, we had some we had some uh, problems there. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, uh, Dan Abrams and I love that they have the facts. Well, the facts for what? The facts. Well, they don't have a crime, but they've got facts. Are the facts related to a crime? Well, no, they don't have a crime. <laughs> I mean, they're explaining it, but it's funny because they're trying to explain how weak. His case is, but they they want to have a positive spin on it, which I find just extremely, extremely entertaining. Uh, all right, couple of things here before we get out of here for the day. I think uh, just a, a quick wrap up and and uh, on this particular case because I don't believe after today there's going to be much. You know, the, you will see it on the Sunday morning uh, news shows, but I don't think as you get past you know the analysis throughout tomorrow and and getting more legal opinions on it, that this is going to be in the news that long. There is nothing going on in this case until August. He said four months, and so that would be August, uh, when they file for motions. And so unless the attorneys uh, are making an occasional appearance, you know, on the cable networks, uh, and I don't know if they will or not, you're not you're not going to hear a lot about the case. So uh, at least wanted to go over just what I think are some critical points that everybody would want to know. Andrew McCarthy just, you know, he's been covering all of this. And uh, Andrew McCarthy, former uh, federal prosecutor, uh, I believe he's still a Fox News contributor, writes for National Review. Uh, sometimes I, I read stuff in the New York Post just like Turley's, uh, uh, Jonathan Turley's stuff. And he wrote the book Ball of Collusion which I read that entire book about, uh, you know, Russia collusion and, and you know, basically the hoax uh, that it uh, that it was. Uh, so he's a former federal prosecutor. And the one of the first things that he hits in his column, I'm not going to read everything verbatim, but just related to you. He talks about that, you know, the indictment fails to state any crime. And he writes, you know, not once, but 34 times. And he goes through the 34, you know, the charges, you know, the 34 counts, which he says is bogus, which he says, actually, if you're a federal prosecutor, you'll get admonished for doing exactly what uh, Bragg is is doing. And so what he's saying is, you know, Trump paid 
in installments. And he would get in, you know, Trump would get an invoice from Cohen. That's count one. He would write a check. That's count two. He would put it in the ledger. That's count three. And uh, he says, so boom, automatically, Viola, one transaction. Because he wasn't, even if there was fraud, there was only, you know, the, the, you know, if, if there was an attempt to defraud someone, there's the one act where you're defrauded. And then, you know, whatever money you get. And he said, as I observed a few days ago, this is exactly the sort of abusive behavior that rogue prosecutors engage in and thus that the Justice Department admonishes federal prosecutors to avoid. He goes, the, those tactics only further demonstrates the shoddiness of the case. A prosecutor holding a weak hand tries to hoodwink the jury into believing the defendant must be a criminal despite the lack of evidence, hence the dozens of counts. The more counts, the more impressive it seems to a jury that you must have something. All you need is one single guilty verdict and 33 acquittals, and you've achieved your objective. But what he writes here also, which I find interesting, the worst due process abuse of Bragg's indictment, however, is that it's not an indictment. Technically, by law, it's not an indictment, he is saying. The Constitution's Fifth Amendment guarantees that Americans may not be accused of a serious crime, essentially a felony, absent an indictment approved by the grand jury. The indictment has two purposes. First, it must put the defendant on notice of exactly what crime has been charged so that he may prepare for his defense. Secondly, the indictment sets the parameters for the defendant's closely related right to double jeopardy protection also set forth in the Fifth Amendment. That is, by stating the crime charged, the indictment enables the defendant to claim a double jeopardy violation if the prosecutor attempts to try him a second time on the same offense. Here, the indictment fails to say what the crime is. Bragg says he's charging Trump with felony falsification of records under New York's penal code, but as we have talked about before, to establish that offense, Bragg must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Trump caused a false entry to be made in his business record and did so with an intent to defraud that specifically intended trying to commit another crime or aid or conceal the commission of that other crime. Nowhere in the indictment does the grand jury specify what the other crime is or what other crime Trump fraudulently endeavored to commit or conceal by falsifying the records. That is an inexcusable failure to notice. Of notice, excuse me. The indictment fails to alert Trump of what laws he has violated, much less how he violated them. And so that's his whole point. It technically is not an indictment. Well, what is it then? Uh, he said, then, then he writes, he doesn't need to speculate. We don't need to speculate why Bragg is uh, being so coy about this. 
The reason? He doesn't have another crime. At his press conference, he blathered about federal campaign finance law, but he knows he lacks a jurisdiction to enforce that. He mumbled something about state election laws, but those, as you might imagine, apply for state elections, not the presidency. And the DA's scream of consciousness about Trump's intent to defraud tax authorities in the future, if you you heard that, in the future, is belied by the fact that he does not accuse Trump of evading taxes at all in the indictment. And he says, here's the thing, though. Prosecutors don't get to be coy with the grand jury. The district attorney is the grand jury's legal advisor in the indictment process. Consequently, he has a duty to instruct the grand jury on the law applicable to the charges proposed. So what crime did Bragg's office instruct the grand jury that Trump was trying to commit or conceal by falsifying business records? There has to be one, at least in theory. But if Bragg did not spell it out, then the grand jury cannot have found probable cause of the crime charge, which is the grand jury's function. I'd like to think a prosecutor would not make the basic error uh, of failing to advise the grand jury of the alleged crime at issue. But if Bragg had properly instructed the grand jury, then surely the crime in question would have been explained in the indictment. It is not. Uh, The other thing that I thought was really interesting as he brought up, I believe, when he did a, Andrew McCarthy did a Fox News interview, he said, if you notice, all the charges, because what Bragg is uh, accusing Trump of is committing the fraud, actually committing the fraud uh, to win so he could win the 2016 election. Now, what we know is, and and this is actually um Cohen uh who has already stated in fact his lawyer stated he did this alone Trump didn't know anything about it so if later on Trump committed fraud Trump com- Trump committed the fr- let's say it is fraud he wrote all the checks between February and December of 2017 The crime was committed after the election is over. Trump couldn't have been committing the crime for the intent that Bragg says in order to win the election because the election was already over before apparently Trump even knew what was going on and actually wrote the checks to pay back um, Cohen. And so that's just the many problems uh, there. I have no idea where this goes. You would think in a normal world with normal judges and normal prosecutors like we used to have, this thing might have been thrown out yesterday. There's still a part of me saying, how does this ever get before a jury? I don't know how this ever gets before uh, a jury. And then what's the impact? If Bragg is defeated on it, what is the what is the blowback in public opinion uh, on that? I'll say this because of the way the inertia, the 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 as I call it, 
the society culture moved from the arraignment to by the time you got to last night. There was a complete shift where I actually said, wow, Trump may become a sympathetic character that may be able to, who may be able to legitimately say, I'm a victim and a significant portion of the American public outside of his base might agree with him. Where that goes, I don't know. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Hopefully Eric's back tomorrow. We hope, we hope. I still doubt, but I still hope. All right, now, e- even in the midst of all the chaos yesterday and the insanity and the we're doomed, uh, you know, feelings that, that I'm sure everybody has, there's always the entertainment out there, like the naked cowboy, uh, who apparently is a New York uh, City uh, icon, singing a pro-Trump song yesterday. Trump took those regulations off the backs of those corporations. Sounds like a good idea to me. Trump tried to build a wall, that wall will protect us all, sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> Keeping the economy moving again, we lower taxes for you, my friend, sounds like a good idea to me. And yes, he is naked. Yes, just so you know, he's naked playing the guitar. And on the guitar, it's, you know, there you see the lettering, naked. <laughs> now, the, the other entertaining one and if you were on social media, you saw it. There was this woman who was, you know, F Trump this, F MAGA this. She looked like she was part of the Walking Dead, didn't she? She really did. And there was a meme later out, and it showed her face, and these eyes were bulging out, and the hair was wild, and it said, Madonna shows up at courthouse. <laughs> Oh, man. Ah, yeah. Eric's not here, so I'll say it. We're doomed. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.